personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Thank you for tuning in to the Recondition podcast. I'm Lauren Vaknin. I'm a health writer and holistic wellness coach. And my own journey from disability to remission taught me that wellness through a mind-body approach can take time when we don't know where to begin. And that's why I created this podcast, to bring you the answers to all your well-being questions in the most accessible way possible. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. This episode of Reconditioned is sponsored by Wild Refill. Utilizing the power of nature, they have created an effective, long-lasting and cruelty-free deodorant that is free from aluminium and parabens. Head over to wearewild.com where you'll get 20% off your first order when you use the code CONDITION at checkout. That's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N, all in caps. Thank you to We Are Wild. Hello everyone, welcome back to Reconditioned with me, Lauren Vaknin. Uh, today's episode, I am so excited for you to hear. As most of you probably know, I am really, really passionate about birth and informed choice in birth and about women really knowing all their options and being able to come to an informed choice when it comes to every aspect of their pregnancy and their birth and also in how to feel supported in the postpartum period in the fourth trimester. So Sara Kosende, who was our guest today, who happens to be the wife of Leo Kosende, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, which is amazing because what a power couple. They're both healers and both doing so much to help people. Um, she is pretty amazing. She trained under some of the world's leading pioneers in um, positive births, like Gauri Mota, who we had on the show last season, and Yehudi Gordon. Um, and some really incredible people and her story is really interesting as well and how she came to it and she has created a, a, a kind of model and a package and a real niche based on all her qualifications which you'll hear about in the show um, and from that has created this thing where women she, she just she's like a pregnancy birth and beyond support system for mothers coach if you like um and it's a real niche that's needed because you know as we touched on in the episode we don't have that village mentality anymore we don't live in the village where people are helping us raise our children we are just mothers expected to give birth and get on with it regardless of what happened in the birth so what she offers is truly revolutionary in my eyes and she offers some really great insights and how we can all come to uh, informed choice for pregnancy and birth and beyond and uh, she gives us tips and things we can do during pregnancy and postpartum uh, to help keep us healthier and happier and uh, to help us make the right decisions during that time. The intention for the episode was um, mother nurture, pregnancy, birth and beyond and to really give you guys all the information that we felt would 
be the most helpful for women who are um, expecting or thinking about having a baby and she offers just really really great information and I think you guys are going to love this if you are anywhere near having a baby even if you're thinking about it this episode will do you so much good because it will instill those seeds it will sow those seeds that will help you to have a more positive experience so without further ado let's get started with the episode <laughs> This week I speak to one of the UK's top holistic female health experts, Sara Kosende. Sara is a naturopathic nutritionist, clinical aromatherapist, doula, prenatal yoga teacher and kundalini teacher. She is also wife to Leo Kosende, who we spoke to on episode 27. What Sara does is truly magical because in blending all her qualifications and passions, she has found a way to support women during the most transformational time in their lives to ensure a smooth trip from preconception right through to motherhood and beyond. So Sara, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. I'm so grateful to you. You have so much knowledge and so much to teach us. I'm hugely passionate about informed choice in birth and parenting so what you do uh, is really important to me and it feels very niche because not many women know about these kind of services and I love what you've created in your business in a way to support women so I always like to start with how you came to be doing what you do and I know your story starts in 1980s London surrounded by some pretty amazing people so I'd love you to just take us back there. Yeah I think there must have been some kind of inspiration being surrounded by uh, quite a few of the pioneers of the active birth birth movement so my parents house backed onto a communal garden in Little Venice and there'd be Lolly Sturt teaching pregnancy yoga, Peter Walker who is known for developmental massage, he also lived around the garden and so I was probably about five or six at the time. So my mum kind of missed having me with those kind of philosophies. But I kind of watched all of the mothers using these with their with their little ones. Uh, And it it was just really magical. And everyone just learned from one another. The mothers were sharing homeopathic remedies. Some were training as homeopaths. There were people doing yoga all the time. There were people doing Tai Chi. There were lots of people music. So it was like a, a kind of a combination of many different you know, ways of thinking, and it just all kind of congregated into a magic thing of sharing amongst adults and children. And I just, and the little ones just always seemed to be drawn to me. So the mothers would just used to come and leave their little ones with me and they'd be like, oh, I'm just going to be over there. But you know, the little one wants to play with you. But it was just, it was just really sweet. It was just really organic. So I think that's how it all started. And I think my mum, before having me, she had a really, you know, tricky time kind of women's health wise and she wasn't supported by medicine so she kind of knew that there were you know other avenues that she wanted to explore to support herself and that's what she took Mm. into you know my childhood and my brother's childhood to kind of you know see that like you know pretty much like you you know knowing that there were other you know there must be other ways you know to support the health you know and obviously you know there's Chinese medicine and Ayurveda you know those things are very much normal part of life but in the west in those in those times it wasn't you know classed as something that was normal so lots of people were investigating and exploring sounds like a pretty idyllic way to grow up I mean it almost sounds like a commune of sorts I know it did you know when I look back on it I'm just like going it was really crazy just like how everyone 
just kind of gathered. And I remember hearing mothers talking about their birth stories. It just kind of, you know, I must have been about seven or eight and I'd be like, oh my goodness, that sounds quite full on. And as an 80 year old kind of processing those things, but I feel really lucky to have been exposed to hearing about lots of different things from a really, you know, from a really young age. I think that's so profound actually, because one thing I learned through hypnobirthing and through kind of just, you know, birth education was that we don't even realize how programmed we are to believe that birth is traumatic and needs to be traumatic. And when I started realizing that, it was it was quite kind of a light bulb moment because I was like, everything from watching Friends and seeing Rachel screaming in pain to, you know, soap operas and you never just see someone's just having a peaceful birth or someone realizes they go into labor and then, you know, it's a nice kind of peaceful transition. We never see that ever. You know, so as children, unless you have a mother or a community who are talking to you about birth in a really positive way, and I think that definitely impacted me because my mum never talked about my birth or my sister's birth as being traumatic. She was just like, oh yeah, it was birth. I didn't have any pain relief and, you know, it was okay and I, it was fine. And I don't think even she was in the mindset that we're in of, you know, kind of actively trying to make yourself fine she was just fine so whatever wherever it came from I wasn't given that conditioning of birth needs to be traumatic so I think that obviously shapes women it does like my like my like you my mum spoke to me used to speak to me about my birth and she you know she hadn't been well before she had me so I was induced on my due date for example, my mum's experience with an induction was actually a really positive experience. She said, you know, she was just really relaxed. She didn't feel any fear. And I was born in like five or six hours. Wow, it was you all... don't hear that often with induction. No. And so when I have mothers come to me and they think they maybe have an induction, I'm like, you know, I know there's lots of talk about the cascade of intervention. And of course, you know, maybe that is in some cases, but it's not every case. And I think it's really mm. important for women, you know, when there is birth education, that there isn't a kind of like this fear instilled about this is good and this is bad. And and I yeah. think that's the combination of um, philosophies that I bring together. You know, I have women come to me, you know, it's not just about natural birth. You know, some mothers come to me and they know that they want to have a C-section. It's about mm. embracing every sense, you know, kind of not making anyone feel that they're making a bad choice. They're making informed choices. Well, that's and exactly I, the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and just supporting them with what, what their choices are, that it's not, you know, that's what's right for them. You know, we don't know what, you know, people's previous experience has been and what, sh you know, what shaped their beliefs. And I think it's really important for a woman to feel supported in, in how she feels and not to feel that she's judged. Absolutely. And I, that's my biggest thing in life, informed choice. Whatever decision you want to make when it comes to healthcare, birth, make that decision, but make it from a place of informed choice where... You haven't just been told what to do by a healthcare professional and based on the fact that they're a healthcare professional, we believe that, that they must be right and know everything because they're only human and they don't know everything. And it's up to us to do the research. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine at the moment, she had a fairly, tra well, very traumatic birth first time around. And um, she has done a heap of research and decided to have an elective caesarean now second time around. Because from all the research she's done, the issue she had first time around is likely to happen again. And the likelihood of it happening and what it can, she really suffered afterwards from the trauma of the birth. Um, and I think what that would do to her moving forward, 
is not, you know, you weigh up the, the risks against the benefits. And for her, she really wants a positive breastfeeding journey, which if yeah. she's too traumatized, that might not happen. So she's come from a real place of informed choice. And I have so much respect for that. Yeah, and it also, you know, like your friend making that choice, she, you know, she knows what her experience was the first time, you know, there are other aspects of, of motherhood and enjoying those first few days and then not feeling like you're fearing your whole pregnancy. I think mm. that's really important for some women, you know, they make the choice to have a C-section because there is a lot of fear there. And it's, you know, it's not up to me to decide or anyone to decide what their process of dealing with those issues are. You know, it's about the mother and the baby. And if they're going to have, that's going to be the most positive journey for them. And it's the love that a mother and baby share. You know, that's what's that's what's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree. Although there are ways, I think women, I've known many women who have come, who have, you know, got pregnant and had a lot of fear surrounding birth and then have been, felt better about it and felt more positive after they've done hypnobirthing or worked with a doula. Definitely, yeah. And then they have great births. Yes. You know, I know yeah. a few women like that. So I do think that coming to it, you know, and saying, okay, no, I'm, I'm scared and that's it. And so I'm going to have a C-section that I think there are, are also ways around that fear. And again, it's about making the right choice for you and all, all the nuances that make up your story. Yeah. And there's some mothers I have who say, no, I really want to have a C-section. They end up wanting to have a home bath by the end of it. But again, yeah. that's been their own personal journey. Yeah. Um, and it's about, yeah, again, choosing what's right for you. So tell me about everything you offer because you've created something that's pretty niche and bespoke in what you offer women. Um, but it was a niche that was really needed. Um, so I'd love to hear about exactly what happens in your coaching and what it's all about. Yeah, so I've been lucky enough um, to work with a lot of the pioneers of the active birth unit from Dr. Yehuda Gordon, Dr. Gary Mosther, um and Kundalini prenatal, Gurmuk, Peter Walker. So I've worked with a lot of and studied and apprenticed with a lot of these amazing teachers. And I think my biggest teachers, I always say, are the mothers, because we, you know, you can learn all these philosophies, but the reality is that how does a how does a woman feel during it? So I've a lot of what I've I've kind of developed and shaped is all been through what the mothers have told me, like how they're feeling, what their experiences have been. And then I treat women from all different cultures. And it's amazing when you hear the different traditions, you know, the grandmothers and the babushkas and all the different people, they kind of all bring these amazing pieces of knowledge. So like whenever I get to meet the grandparents and the great grandparents and things like that, I'm like, going, you know, well, what did you do? What were your traditions? So I've kind of shaped um, this pregnancy model through I use body work I'm a naturopathic nutritionist and so it's bringing all of those things together along with maybe some careers from kundalini so I use those not like a class but kind of prescriptively you know when a mother feels maybe vulnerable and like her space is being invaded by people's opinions there's great different kundalini careers to kind of just kind of create your own bubble because it's all about kind of creating your own bubble and it's and the things that I we work together with the mothers is, is just that they feel empowered and they feel strong and they feel good. And there seems to be a really bizarre kind of mentality that everybody's just like so ready to give you an opinion when you're pregnant, whereas most yeah. other cases people you know you're just like it's just like it's like a, a free-for-all and you're just like actually it's none of your business <laughs> mm -hmm. and and you know mothers kind of come to me and they're like going you know really astounded with with some of the things people said so it's all about kind of how does a mother feel 
um, and giving her tools to feel empowered all the way through. Yes, so through her diet. Um, I refer people to different hypnobirthing, you know, acupuncturists, and then also diagnostics as well. So I work heavily with the endocrine system because that's something that's always overlooked, you know, in pregnancy, which, again, I find incredibly bizarre. You know, the thyroid, you know, the adrenals, they all need to be looked after all the way through through pregnancy to postpartum. So how, how I look at, you know, the health of a woman is, you know, right from fertility. So I treat women... Um, on their fertility journey, whether it's, you know, natural conception, IVF, IUI, egg donor, sperm donor, whatever, all the way through into motherhood. And it is one continual journey. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. you know, at six weeks, you know, you're signed off and that's it, you're fine. I mean, that's often like really the beginning where women need extra help, extra support. And it's not always a time, you know, not everybody has such varying energy levels. And not everybody has time to do all the research. So I'm kind of like taking, you know, all that work out because of the experience I have to kind of guide women. Have you thought about this? Well, let's do this. You know, let's make it easy for you. And it's about Mm. having, you know, an extra brain. Which is so lovely. Yeah. Because, you know, there's so much to think about, isn't there, when you're pregnant. And it's so nice to know that there's someone there thinking about those things for you and giving you all the options and the answers. Yeah, well, you know, for most women, you know, I don't know how it was for you, but they say to me, you know, it's a miracle they managed to get up and clean their teeth in the morning. So, you know, how you're supposed to like do a whole load of research, you know, I'm like working with mothers, like how to improve their milk production or how to adjust maybe their diet. So, you know, it helps with the baby's digestion through less gassy foods and other galacticals, all sorts of things. So it's kind of bringing Mm. all different philosophies together, a bit of homeopathy, a bit of herbal medicine you know, all kind of, all the things that are safe for mother and baby. Um, And then when they, and then obviously there are things that you can adjust when mothers then stop breastfeeding and then preparing for going back to work. So it's literally the whole whole spectrum of motherhood. So you just, you're just kind of like a a coach for, like a motherhood coach almost. It's amazing. How often do people, would people, how many sessions would people have? Or how often would they speak to you? Or that varies depending on the service they need? Yeah, I mean, I have some mothers who were seeing me every week. I have some people who were seeing me every month. Some people check me check in with me every quarter. So it's it's very different, you know. Mm. You know, whatever anyone feels they need, but definitely in pregnancy, kind of a more frequent basis because obviously the body is constantly evolving and and changing, and it's also a time, you know, to just stop and you know, feel like you can connect with your baby. Obviously I have mothers when they have like, it's on their second or third baby. And they don't, they often say they don't even feel that they have time to actually acknowledge their pregnancy because they're so busy with the other children or busy working. Mm. And this is a time for them just to kind of be still and be focused on, you know, on themselves and, you know, feel that they're giving back and nurturing themselves, which I think is, you know, really important and something that is missing in motherhood because, you know, you're always giving so much as a mother yeah. and your brain never switches off to that giving. It's just like, it just always comes from the heart, you know, with a mother and the, you know, with the things with the adrenals and the thyroid, it's just, it's so important that women, you know, have that care, which is such a, it's such a pity that our medical health care model doesn't, you know, address that. Obviously it'd be a very difficult thing to do, but I think it would, 
you know, support women's health much further down the line when other things develop with, you know, hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, all those sorts of things. I think so much could be avoided, but, you know. Why don't they support those things? And and what can it, you know, what things can, what, you know, conditions can arise because of it? Because obviously the adrenals, the thyroid, these are, you know, huge things that that essentially carry our system. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think I'm always amazed when, you know, this is before I did my training as a naturopathic nutritionist. And I would say to mothers, you know, your thyroid is really important. Can you ask your doctor to have your, you know, thyroid levels checked? And doctors quite often w- wouldn't be willing, you know, to yeah. do it. And they'd yeah. say, oh, well, you're just tired because you're a new mother. And it's mm. just like it's it's kind of saying, well, those things have an impact on the on the endocrine system so therefore things will develop and so mm. I think our modern so it's not medicine... just because you're a new mother it's you're a new mother so this thing will impact your endocrine system yes. and therefore it's important that you keep on top of it yeah and they're saying that, that you know the the issue with um hypothyroidism it can develop like three years it can be kind of slowly kind of dripping away and then it's like at three years postpartum then you know, things really kick off. And it's about wow, how do we, how do we avoid that? How do we kind of start caring at the root, you know, caring mm. from pregnancy, from early motherhood, so that mothers don't have to feel rubbish, <laughs> you know, because it's just like, I don't yeah. think it is acceptable that women are just told, well, that's how it is. I think there is so much more, you know, that can be done. And, you know, in other cultures, you know, we're not a culture where people have confinement nurses and you know obviously it's expensive to have those kinds of things but in other cultures you know there are confinement nurses who will make certain broths with seaweeds and things you know I had a mother many this is probably kind of 12 13 years ago and she had used to have a confinement nurse um, a Korean confinement nurse and she would have all these amazing broths made with the seaweeds which are now very very popular now and she would be doing vaginal steaming she used to have this thing that looked like a facial steamer that she'd sit on with all the herbs and she was just like yeah yeah you know and all these things it was just like incredible like the care that was given to the body in recovery Mm. and then how strong she would feel afterwards and you know if that was given to every woman I mean I just think it would be so different it comes back to that whole thing which I often say which is that we were we are you know social beings who evolved to kind of have that village mentality and the whole thing if it takes a village to raise a child it still takes a village to raise a child but we no longer have that village Absolutely. so women are expected to do it all on their own you know have the baby and it doesn't matter how you know even women who have who have c-sections if you were to go in for any other major surgery where they open you up no one would expect you to be doing anything for a few weeks afterwards and yet you have a c-section and if you're in an nhs hospital and you've had you know you're just put on a ward and given your baby and that's it and you've get no help and you know there are some amazing midwives out there but in terms of how the system operates Mm. it doesn't operate to allow for this village mentality which actually is what every single woman and every family needs because i feel like the men benefit from that too or the partners you know because they're tired as well, you know, with a yeah. newborn baby. And, you know, if they are hands-on and they are, you know, partners that are helping a lot, um, they feel like they need that support as well. And I think, 
you know, we're, we're really lacking something in the society from not giving women this postpartum care that they deserve. And I know from my Indian friends, most of my Indian friends, either if they live with their parents or their mum will move in with them for four weeks after they give birth and, you know, do all that stuff, you know, cook for them and make all kind of the Ayurvedic teas and yeah. broths and, and you know, these women are coming out of it much stronger. Yeah, I mean, when I... When my mom had me in um, in the seventies, like this is on the NHS, I was she was kept in for a whole week, and each the mothers who had delivered at the same time were all kept together. So there was, I think, a ward of like six women, and each day they had physio, they had mm. um, classes on breastfeeding, how to bath their babies, and everything. And then we were all taken away in the afternoon. The mothers were told to rest or, you know, there was like, there was so much care and this was for a wow. week. That sounds like you were in like Ina May's little commune or something. It was just, but this, but this is at St. Mary's in Paddington. I mean, this is just wow. like, it was incredible. But then four years later when my mum had my brother, it was like, it was totally different. So there was a time when funding? things were done. Yeah. It's, I think, you know, all these things, it's, it's down, you know, it's down to funding and, you know, my father is always outraged at the way that women are treated about how, you know, the lack of care with the, you know, maternity leave and things like that. And he's just like going, you know, if this was men giving birth, you know, this would never happen. And I think he's always <laughs> nice like, it's coming from your dad. Yeah. And he's always like, he said, you know, I just can't, be, you know, you know, even in the news now, like with all these mummies who can't have their partners kind of going oh with them is there there's a an amazing lady who who runs a foundation called pregnant and screwed and she's been really fighting the corner for women to get their support but you know wow. like my dad has been kind of like going like how can they how can they kind of open the pubs and then <laughs> women can't have their partners with them in labor I mean it's just like it's it, yeah it's there's some there's, there's some kind of discrepancy with the with the thought process yes especially when when uh, groups are allowed to meet for pheasant shooting yes <laughs> yeah absolutely no it is infuriating it's absolutely infuriating and what's more infuriating about it which always gets me is that the most disadvantaged people will always suffer because of that yes because for those of us who are fortunate to hire a doula or a private lactation consultant and put support in place that's great but what about the people who can't afford that who go into a hospital who have no means of hiring a lactation consultant or having any sort of support maybe single mothers who lack all support you know where are they ending up I know psychologically and you know exactly and I just think that you know from that kind of getting political from a society perspective you know if these mothers were supported you know how how it would make them feel how it would help with the early childhood you know there was there was a yeah. I don't know if you remember there was a I don't know if it was a foundation or something, but there was an incentive called, was it Sure Start, where there were free classes with baby massage and things for mothers at local centres, and they took all the funding away from that. And mm. it's just, I just think if motherhood was addressed, if the care was given, if, if the basic things like, you know, even iron and like the thyroid for, you know, mm. the thyroid effects, you know, your mood, your mental state postpartum, in some cases, yes, there are different degrees of postpartum depression. But you know, if they looked at the thyroid, lots of those things could be supported. So at least women feel like they've got the mental strength kind of to deal with this, because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of grit to being a mother 
you know, on your own in those early days Absolutely. and to not even have the basics of like, these are the foundations to how your body functions. Not, if they're not checked, I, I, it, yeah just doesn't make sense so yeah absolutely we've focused a lot on kind of what isn't available because it's important to know your choices and your options but let's flip that around a bit and make it a bit more positive and what is available what can women um ask for what things should they know to ask and what things can they do on their own that would improve birth and postpartum well I just think even even the simple things that you know there are especially at the moment uh, for women with lockdown and things, just even, you know, the gentle birth method book, there's some really, I think there's some great literature coming out, mm. you know, supporting mothers, which are kind of, is not so old fashioned. So I think there's a lot of literature out there. There's some, there's some great apps that mothers can listen to if they can't get to, you know, a hypnosis class. There's one called Expectful, which is really great. And so there are lots of things mothers you know, can do like that. I mean, I don't know what you came across that was available. Uh, yeah, well, things like Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. For yeah. me, that was the first thing. That book changed everything for me. And Grantly Dick yeah. reads the, the history of the fear of childbirth. Yeah. Um, those things really changed. And then meeting um, my hypnobirthing instructor and doula, Danny, who was we had on this podcast as well, um, and all the information she taught me and just kind of understanding that fear is a choice and Mm. my body was built to do my body was literally created to do this yes as a woman and as a human being I can choose all the other things I want to do with this human experience but in terms of evolution as a woman my body was created in order to be able to know how to give birth and that that simple affirmation of my body knows how to birth this baby just as my body knows how to grow this baby. And it's true, yeah. you know, you're not sitting there all the time while you're pregnant thinking, right, is my baby getting this? Is the placenta doing this? My The baby just grows. Yes, we look after ourselves and it's important to eat right and, you know, have the, you know, healthy lifestyles during, during uh, pregnancy. But essentially it was understanding that that was the biggest thing for me. And then arming myself with knowledge about, all the things that were going to be asked of me, you know, from the medical profession or told that I needed to do and arming myself with the knowledge of do I or do I not want to do these things and knowing my reasons for them. Yeah, I think this is why women come to me because I kind of give them, I've digested them all that, the yeah. different, yeah, so I digest all the literature and I'm kind of like, and every mother's, you know, has a different need or a different way she's approaching birth and I kind of tailor everything to how that mother's, you know, what the mother's perspective is and maybe kind of give her some other things that maybe she hasn't thought of. So working, yeah, so working through body work and through knowledge empowerment and, and yeah, what's, what suits her? So like there are obviously different yoga teachers in London, so like different styles would suit different people. So it's about trying to fit everything together. And also I know all the blood tests, when to ask for them and things like that. So it's just guiding women going, you know, this is maybe something to think about. Knowing that you can, even though strep B is not offered, that I can, you know, I can get at mothers to have their strep B done or things like that. It's just, it's all of those things where it it is about having knowledge, which gives you the power and gives you the kind of confidence of knowing, you know, what to ask for. Do you want delayed cord clamping and things like that? Things that, you know, sometimes, yeah, some people know about it, some people don't. 
and about if you're going to have a c-section you know you can again have delayed cord clamping then that you can have a gentle c-section you know the baby can Mm. be put straight on your chest the baby can kind of wriggle from the incision so there's like it's kind of knowing what what is available and kind of having an understanding I mean I'm I'm London based but you know I kind of give mothers knowledge as much as I can and also give them little seeds for them to then kind of maybe go and explore themselves. One of the recommendations I get asked for the most is deodorants because most of us are aware of the detrimental health effects some conventional deodorants can have. It used to be hard to give an answer because so many of the natural deodorants available didn't actually work. But now I use Wild Refill and I love it because it's free from aluminium and parabens, it's cruelty free and it actually genuinely works. And I'm not just saying this because they sponsor the podcast, they sponsor the podcast because I use the product and love it. It's also really fun because you get to choose a colour for your applicator, which is a genius sustainable design that you keep for life. Then you get to customise your order by selecting from their different gorgeous scent combinations, all biodegradable and recyclable, for your refills. I know those of you who are listening are conscious about what you put in and on your body, so if you're ready for a natural, environmentally friendly deodorant that actually works, visit wearewild.com where you'll get 20% off your first order when you use the code CONDITION, that's C-O-N-D-I-T-I-O-N, all in caps, at checkout. That's wearewild.com and code CONDITION. Thank you to We Are Wild. I just think it's so powerful. There's nothing more powerful than informing yourself with all the knowledge, you know? And I just think that so many births can be improved in in terms of how the mother feels about it um, from having that knowledge. Yeah, this is how you're saying, um, you know, it takes a village and that's how it was. It was the village mentality even during pregnancy, you know, the older women would kind of have all this knowledge and they would take care of the women during, you know, the pregnancy you know, process mm. and make sure in the kind of the last month that she's really nurtured kind of going almost like a, a pre, you know, kind of 40 days postpartum, but it's like almost like the 40 days pre-birth, you know, how yeah. she would be nurtured and nourished to kind of have the strength and the vitality, you know, for birth as well. And I think it's yeah. knowing that it's okay. I think some people, I think we're so used to kind of rushing around and being busy and I think sometimes it's needed, I'm sure like your, your doula as well, just say like, it's okay to sometimes slow down. It's okay to take time, you know, for yourself just to sit and think and breathe. And I think you know, that's the easiest thing. Just I always, you know, there's the, the Japanese, uh, was it tree bathing? So that's like, again, yeah. like a really forest simple bathing. thing. Just, yeah, forest bathing. Just like, you just yeah. want to kind of be in nature, go and put yes. your back against a tree, just feel rooted and feel the magnificence of nature. I think all of those things, you know, you're growing a, an amazing, a, a, growing a human being, you know, it's like a, a big, you know, takes a lot of work and it's like, okay, yeah. so just kind of take it easy sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. I just, you know, I think that de- definitely gets lost because yeah. we just, you know, a lot of these Eastern cultures and, um, you know, other cultures that we see who really support women through pregnancy and beyond. Um, I just think it's so lovely. And then, What's, what tends to have happened in, in the Western world is that as medicine evolved, people assumed that they, you know, everything that they were being told by doctors was 
the best and what they needed to know. And so, so many things got lost along the way, so many lessons that could have been passed down through these generations. Like, I think kind of in my great-grandmother's era, you know, they would have, they would have had all that. And then by the time kind of my grandmother had my mum, it was very much becoming a lot more medicalised and formula was available. And because this thing was available, that generation were very much like, well, you don't need to use your body anymore. Give the formula. As opposed to it coming from, right, let's make a choice based on all the information that we have. Um, So it is a shame. But I also think on a positive note that... We are coming back round to this. Like so many of us are really kind of revisiting those Eastern cultures and you know that you know, look at how London is now, look at how the world is yeah. now in terms of things that are available, yoga and meditation and you know, juice bars and you know, all these things that can be seen as a bit hippy dippy or woo woo, whatever you want to call it, yeah. they're available. And so people are being offered more choice and we, we are seeing it more in the mainstream. And I think that that kind of gives us the um, some optimism, you know, that yeah. things are going to change for the better and maybe we'll do a whole, you know, kind of 360 and come back, come right back to it. I think it's definitely, I think the mentality is definitely here to stay because in the 80s it kind of, it was around, but it was it was like super niche. It was just yeah. like, if you did that stuff, you were still classes that was kind of a bit kind of a bit crazy and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas now it is much more, I mean, look, you know, there's homeopathy in boots, you know, it's like, it's, it's totally yeah. different, you know, it's a totally yeah. different way. And I don't, I don't see it kind of going back from there. And that's, what's really amazing. And I think it's also really important that women are encouraged to actually feel their own intuition, to feel yes. their own yeah. intuition with their body, you know, like obviously I talk to mothers about things you can read books but I think I always say to mothers like tune into yourself like you've got like the greatest source of wisdom within yourself you have Mm. a relationship with your baby for nine months you know your baby more than any you know more than anyone more than any book more than anything I can say you know I can guide mothers in certain ways but it's like it's really important to feel that you really embrace that inner power that inner knowledge like what what you what you truly feel because a mother knows, you know, a mother knows before their baby's going to wake, you know, in the night yeah, often, yeah. And you know, and it's just like, there's such a strong connection, especially, you know, in those early months. And it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. So I'm always like, I'm just like going, you know, do acknowledge it and don't feel fearful that you always have to ask someone else that, you know, there is a lot right. within you. Yeah. And I think that in itself is powerful. A woman who might not have known that just simply being told, check in with your body what's your body telling you close your eyes take a breath check in with your body you know what what are you feeling you can you can trust your intuition and I think maybe we've come so far from that that we forget that we can do that and perhaps a woman who wasn't aware that that was even a possibility that is just you know going to follow right you're going to be induced now and this is what you're going to do and this is what you're going to do and this is what you're going to have can now actually check in with her body, trust her intuition and be guided, you know, by her body, by her baby, by people like you. And I think that in itself, just knowing you can trust your intuition and that it's there for a reason, that's powerful. I think a lot of women don't even know that that's, you know, allowed. Yes. And so I say when when I'm saying, you know, about, you know, the having the thyroid or your ferritin check postpartum, I was just like, going, you know, these are very logical things. Like if you don't feel right, it's okay for you to go and ask it because I think 
the mentality before is like, oh no, I can't possibly ask for anything. Mm. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay to go and ask. It's okay to say like, you know, it's normal. These are normal things that, that I should have checked. So I think, I don't, I think women will, will be asking for these things. And I think everyone would be much happier. (laughs) Do you think that's kind of like a British thing as well? Because I've always, so my family are Israeli (laughs) and they're quite forthcoming. And if they want something, they'll ask. And we've always, I was brought up like that, you know, yeah. If if something isn't okay, you say it, or you know, if you want something, you ask for it. Whereas then I observe people, British people particularly, you know, in hospital settings, if something's wrong, they won't ask a nurse or ask for some help. You know, very rarely, and it's like it's okay, you can ask. And yeah, no, I think I just it is don't know a very British that's a cultural thing. thing or not. Yeah, and we have to kind of get better at learning how to ask for what we need and what we deserve. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a time for women feeling empowered, you know, for what they feel they need during the pregnancy and postpartum journey. And I think that's why a lot of people are turning, you know, like you turn to finding other methodology and other ways to alternative things to support your system. It's I think that's, that's happening more and more and more with everyone. And I think, think that's then developing through to the baby's health as well mothers are kind of looking you know if their tummies are upset you know kind of that there there's not just you know other you know standard cow formulas you can have a goat formula you know it's like there are lots there are lots of other alternatives and I think there is a lot of empowerment going on that there are choices and I think yes it's it's a good time it's a good time for motherhood yeah yeah, so we can kind of use that as a positive instead of kind of focusing on, you know, the COVID stuff has made it a difficult time for motherhood, but there is also so much that, you know, just say all this COVID stuff was happening even 10 years ago, things would have yeah. been a lot more difficult. Now we have choices, we have options, there is support out there. Yeah. Um, I wonder what sort of things do women say to you that have helped them the most with what you offer? Maybe things that perhaps they didn't know about before. I think it's almost having a space where they know that they will be given the information they need at the point that they need it. Because I think Mm. there's Dr. Google and there's like so much information out there and everything's contradicting one thing to another. And you just kind of, women just often don't know where to start or what's actually a good source of information because obviously Mm. with internet, with the internet and things like that, it's great that there's so much out there, but it's sometimes difficult to decipher what's, good information and not so helpful information so mothers come to me knowing that they're going to get what they need at that point um, whether it's information whether it's nutrition whether it's advising on functional testing whether it you know obviously I'm focusing more on that at the moment during COVID when I can't see as many mothers face to face but then when they see me you know in person then there's the body work which is really you know it's kind of energetics along with lymph drainage and things so it's about preparing the body it's about the body feeling ready and Mm. so that's how I work it's about the preparation you know for birth it's not just you know a massage rub it's it's something that's got a kind of a a bit more substance to it and mothers feel it mothers feel the difference with their digestion you know there's a lot of focus obviously on the digestion because when your digestion is working optimally, all the other functions of your systems of your body are functioning so much mm. better. And when you think logistically, you know, your baby's inhabiting the space where your intestines are, you want those things to be working optimally as well. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting that you said that it's kind of the, the most important thing was the knowledge you offer because I find that as well just generally in life you know and if I've had clients the thing that I that I think people always say to me is the information that we offer them that lasts a lifetime and that can help them make decisions that will change the course of something that could have gone very differently so that's going to last longer than you know as amazing as the massages are and the yoga and all these things really it's the knowledge I think that empowers us more than anything and that that for me you know like I said the thing that helped my birth both my births the most you know I did all the yoga I did the spinning babies and the massages and I had acupuncture and all those things were amazing but the thing that did it for me was the mindset because of learning hypnobirthing and because of reading those books that changed my perspective or that solidified this perspective that I already had but didn't know where it came from um, of my body can do this and so what about postpartum because you know like we've touched on it such a challenging time um and you know perhaps even more so than the birth because it just continues until (laughs) until one day however many years later or you know some people months later you feel okay but what things would you say help women feel more supported and you know for women listening right now what are the things they can do to make sure they feel supported to get through those postpartum months or years I always say to my mothers, like, if someone's going, obviously there's less visiting now, but I'm like, if somebody's going to come and see you, they have to bring you some food. They've got to do something (laughs) that's really useful. So important. Yeah, I'm like, let them come and feed you. Let them come and be helpful. I went, if it's just to kind of go, oh, the baby's really cute, you know, it's not really helpful. Like, if you're going to have someone, you know, let, let everyone know, look, I really need support at this time and not to be afraid, like, going, I need some help, you know, or like, I think if you have someone that you really trust, if they can come and, you know, be with a baby for a few hours, you know, I had one friend, one of my closest friends, when she had her baby, who's my godson, um, her husband was a DJ, and he had to go away, like when she, baby was only a few weeks postpartum, so I went, and I stayed with her, and I gave her a night's sleep, so I was like, you know, it's things, it's things like that, it's just like, what, what does a mother need, and it's not just about going and visiting the baby another personalized blanket (laughs) no the the mother the mother kind of the mother needs to support so the mother can support the baby because the baby just wants you know the mummy at that point they want they want the care they want to be they because that's they have the strongest bond with and they need the mother to feel supported and feel Mm -hmm. strong and that's what they need so I'm just like all always about the support I think in the states they've got I can't remember what the systems are called but they've got things where you can um instead of just like a usual baby kind of baby shower gifts, you can have like a registry of food. So the mother will have food delivered wow. to her. Or, oh God, that's so or American. Have, yeah, <laughs> or have treatments or like have, wow. you know, postpartum treatments and support. So it's kind of very much focused on that, which I think is like amazing. Cause I <gasps> that think- That's amazing. I need to find these companies. Yeah, it's just, it, I just think that would be so much better. I think that I think a mother needs so much support postpartum and that's when when I go and see mothers postpartum and I do treatments for them I will have you know one hand on the mummy and one hand on the baby's tummy because I'm just like going okay you need to relax you know the baby's okay and so we kind of work together the three you know be like the three of us working together and I often treat 
you know, obviously, and then for the partners, obviously, it's a big change for them. So I often end up treating the whole family unit. So it's yeah. almost like they're, they're becoming one unit because you need to take, you know, after birth, it's like an outer body experience, you know, for a mother. And it's just to kind of bring back and center the energy, center the endocrine system. So she just feels kind of grounded again and, and kind mm. of like feels that she's held in a space to kind of move forward. So yeah, and just kind of give it, you know, like I've talked about the endocrine system. It's the thing I bash on about the most because I just think it's so important for, I you know, agree. women's hormones and, you know, it's the backbone of how we function. What are the top things we can do to support our endocrine systems? Because I'm very passionate about this as well. So I think it's knowing, I think it's always about making sure that you have your thyroid checked about eating foods that are right for the thyroid. So, you know, seaweeds, seaweeds, like again, in Korea, the standard thing was postpartum, you'd have um, kombu in the broths, you know, for the iodine, for the thyroid. Uh, they're obviously they're different herbs, but you have to be very careful postpartum because of breastfeeding, yeah. you know, if, if you're breastfeeding, that is. So a really simple thing, as I always get mothers to have broths, you know, with, with the sprinkling of seaweed. There's a great mm. brand called Mara and they do a powdered seaweed that's really inoffensive because, you know, some, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Some of them and are it, super offensive, yeah. Yeah, and they're really quite gross. And so you don't really want to be having something that doesn't taste nice. So I'm always about kind of like, how can we make this work so you enjoy the things that are nourishing the body right. and also I'll, just I'll resting. Sure to, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes because I think people will be interested in getting yeah. that information. Yeah. And also the resting, you know, in those early weeks, that affects the endocrine system so much. And it's about kind of not feeling like you've got to rush to get back to normal, that this is a really a healing time, that if you kind Mm. of spend the first six weeks just resting and nourishing yourself and not trying to rush, that in itself, that helps balance the endocrine system. When you're trying to kind of push yourself, you know, your adrenals are on overdrive postpartum and that energy is really for you and your baby that energy is to get you through it's not really like an energy to be spent kind of doing loads of other things so if you bank that energy then when there's a big shift of hormones at six weeks the adjustment is I always say it's like the gear change is a lot smoother whereas if you've kind of really burnt your energy in those first six Mm. weeks it's a much tougher transition into the next part of your hormonal journey so yeah rest rest is the biggest thing which is difficult with a new baby it is. Do you know what? My sister, who lives in Israel, she just had twins. Well, just. They've just turned three months. Oh, wow. Um, and I can't believe it. And I still haven't been able to see them, um, which is heartbreaking. But because of everything that was going on, her husband has been at home and they've had nowhere to go. So although they've had twins, which is bloody hard, she's been okay, you know? I mean, granted, that's her anyway. And she's just got on with it. And she's breastfeeding them. And she's doing amazing. amazing and I'm so proud of her. Um but the fact that she's been able to rest, you know, I mean, she has an amazing mother-in-law who lives really nearby and cooks for her every oh, that's day, great. Um, which helps. But yeah, she's had that rest. And I think that helps so much, so much. But because those early days are also so special, you know, we shouldn't talk about them. You know, a lot of people talk about it like, oh, God, those newborn days, it's so hard. But as hard as it was, they were also my favourite days. You know, it's so special. You're bonding with your baby. You're sitting there resting. Like, for me, I just, I have the memories of sitting there, feeding the baby, watching box sets, everything being really calm and peaceful. And even though I was exhausted, everything felt like I was in my bubble, you know? I, I loved those early days, as hard as they were. So 
I think with the right support in place, you can enjoy that and really kind of allow for that fourth trimester to yeah. to unfold how it's meant to. Yeah, I have mothers saying at the moment who are some who've had their third babies during during a lockdown and they're just like, this has been their favourite postpartum period because they right. said that they didn't feel that they had to be doing as much and right. they, they've yeah. been able to be quieter and they said that they feel, felt, I mean, obviously this is not the experience for everybody, but, you know, a lot have said that they, they felt much more peaceful, that it was being much oh, really? calmer. Even with yeah. their two older children running around and not being able to be I at school. They, <laughs> they've had, they've had, you know, they've been lucky. They've had family right. who've kind of popped in to kind of be a bit of support and their, their partners have been supportive. But yeah, they, they found even with that, they found that, um, that it's calm. But, you know, again, this is not everybody. Other people's experiences could be very, very yeah. different. Yeah, of course. I wonder if you have a recommended um, self-care ritual morning routine that you recommend to expectant mothers. Do you know, I just always say to think is to mothers to kind of keep it simple because I think there can be so much of a pressure that they've got to do lots of things. And I just even say doing a visualisation, you know, I have mothers who kind of go when they're going into the city on the tube, but it's just like even listening to like a birth visualisation or mm. uh, a meditation or something like that. I just find something to integrate in what you're doing that's practical, that they don't feel not every, I think sometimes people feel pressured if they had to take time, make an, an additional time because everyone feels mm. quite short on time. So I'm just like going, well, try and integrate this in when you're doing something. If you really can't be totally still, you know just listen mm. to something yeah or just take kind of 10 minutes to connect with yeah. the baby in some yeah. way oh yeah so postpartum body. yeah yeah and I just no 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 I mean when you're pregnant when you're pregnant yeah. and like sometimes with mothers like when they have other children they're like going oh my god I just like that you don't have time to do anything I don't have time to do the yeah. yoga and I'm just like go and then I just say okay if the only time is when you actually go to the loo, just like sit on the loo for a few minutes and just breathe. <laughs> like if it's the three minutes, you know, yeah. and if that's it. And I said, just just acknowledge it, just tune in for those three minutes. And I was just like, and that's doable. Because yeah. uh, you know, when it's a, when you're a first time mummy, you have more time with other children. There's not always. Yeah. And speaking of sitting on the loo, one of the things I was told was to raise your legs. So put a stool, you know, like the kids' stools that they use to stand up to go to the yeah. toilet. Put that under your feet and go to the toilet like that because that yes, is a great posi- great positioning, especially yeah. when you're pregnant. Yeah, they have they, they have a special stool in the States. They say, I think they call it squatty potty or something like that. Yes, they I've have a special stool. So yeah, so it actually it's how you should be. It kind of rearranges your intestines how they should be. So it's actually much more comfortable. So yes, that's very helpful yeah. to do. Awesome. <laughs> um, and you have a small range of um, aromatherapy products for yes. expectant mothers. Yes, I just, I mean, they're more on, I have a few on my website, but it's more kind of, I also do a lot of bespoke kind of um prescriptive remedies so as a clinical aromatherapist I then blend oils and formulations you know depending on what somebody needs you know some people obviously have got nut allergies so I'm obviously very careful with what oils I use so everything is done you know with very considered to each person's needs but I have to say the one oil that I think is really not kind of publicized enough is really amazing for birth is lemon oil 
I found that when, yeah, yeah, when I used to go with mothers to it, and there's actually, they've even done a clinical study that it's really helpful for morning sickness. And I found that mothers, when they were in labor, uh, that the kind of the scent of the, of the lemon oil really helped to clear their heads because it's known as a cephalic. So it's very mind clearing. And, it, you know, when something felt quite intense or maybe a little overwhelming, just to be able to breathe that in was actually more helpful than a clary mm. sage, which is obviously works on the uterus. It works on it in a totally different way. Mm. But yeah, lemon oil That's is a really good one. That's really interesting. I, I didn't use lemon oil in, in labour. I, I use lemon oil most mornings, actually. Yeah. Um, I didn't use it in labour. My husband just kind of sat... We were diffusing all different oils throughout my labour. I've actually got an article on my website about um, essential oils for for labour and birth. But yeah. um, my husband would just kind of rub some lavender on his hand and just put yeah. it under my nose. And I just found that in itself was really helpful. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of, just it's quite centering. The lavender, lavender and lemon are actually really good together as well. So the lavender is mm. like, you know, it's, you know, super calming. So yeah, I find the oil is really powerful for labor because it's about creating your, your own nest. When I have some mothers and they, then, you know, they're going to have a hospital birth and they're like going, oh, you know, I was thinking I was going to have a home birth, but I'm going to have a hospital birth. I'm like going, you are your own birth unit. You know, you can create your own space. You know, you just you take everything in with you. You know, even if you don't have a diffuser, you don't have time to do anything. You can just get the oils and flick them around the room. Yeah. You know, your, your partner can just boil, um, you know, run hot water into the basin, then the ceramics warm and then you just flick oils in the sink, rub it on all over the sheets. So I'm just like, you know, there's nothing worse like if you're in a hospital and then you kind of lean over, then, you know, the scent of the hospital. So I always encourage mothers that during during their pregnancy, during when they're listening to their hypnobirthing to kind of build up a scent profile of things that kind of make them feel good. That So when they go into Mm. labor, that then they then use the same same oils that that is their safe place, that they've created their safe place. It's like, you know, it's like that animal kingdom. They were kind of use scent to kind of find where is safe for them to, to yeah. deliver. And we've obviously still got that in our own psyche. You know, we still, you know, have that animal instinct. And so when you kind of smell something that feels safe or familiar, again, your body relaxes. And it's about always kind of creating those profiles about making you feel relaxed, having the things from home that make you feel really mm. safe in your birth room. I love all that. So much great information that I know that women listening to this are going to really benefit from. <laughs> So as I told you before we recorded, we uh, I end every show with a little segment called All About You. And uh, it's just, just a way, just a fun way for the listeners to get to know the guest a bit more. So without further ado, um, if you could tell all pregnant women one thing, what would it be? It's probably what I said before. It's like... Uh, trust your own intuition I think that's Mm. the most I think that's the most important be kind of feel empowered by tuning into your own intuition with you and your baby yeah I think that's a great answer Uh, if you could make one change in antenatal care in this country what would it be I think there would be so many things Um, but (laughs) I just think (laughs) I just think there just generally needs to be a lot more care put back into and I think it was there I just think if there more care can be put into pregnancy and postpartum in every aspect so a woman yeah. feels supported I just think it would be an amazing it's quite broad thing. yeah yeah be more Swedish be more Swedish yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's a good uh, that's a good ethos to go by in life generally be more Swedish yeah be more Swedish <laughs> okay what profession other than your own would you like to try 
question. Um, well, I studied uh, photography and printmaking as part of my degree. Ah. So I'm, I'm very much in love with the arts as well as, as what I do. So, yeah, it'll probably be something nice. in the arts. Nice. What's your favourite way of treating yourself? Well, I love having treatments myself. So I regularly have different massage treatments. I have five elements acupuncture. I see a mm. shamanic healer Ooh. as well. So obviously looking after my energetics when I'm working with mothers and babies too. So yeah, I do. I do a lot. <laughs> I actually get a lot of people asking me about shamanic healing. Can you share the details of your shaman? I'm afraid I can't. You can't. She's she's, she's, she's fully. She's a pri- they're private. As yeah. well. they're very private people, which is nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a she's an amazing lady. She's an amazing lady. A very a strong, um, kind of Viking kind of quality to her. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, best thing that happened to you this month. Best thing that happened to me this month. I think it's just be, I love being in nature and I think actually probably meeting the new baby some I met, I met one of the new babies that I was I treated the mother during pregnancy so that's Aww, really that's I think special. during this time I think it's really special to meet the the new souls that have come in who are so incredibly wise and bring oh, so much hope so and wise. love yeah that's gorgeous thank you for sharing that um, okay, so if people would like to book a session with you or speak to you, where are you at? Where can they find you? Where can they follow you? How can they speak to you? So um, they can go to my website, which is mymama.org, and there's information there, and you can email me from there. Awesome. Are you on any of the socials? I am on Instagram as well. You can get to that through my website too. That's hasn't been as active but it will be being more active over the, the next coming months <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> of pressure that, isn't it yeah I think I think um I've just been busy with the mothers and babies and not having so much time to do to do those kind of things but it's kind of making time to to reach new audiences and kind of share information of people with the people mm. who aren't able to come and see me so it's about yeah giving out as much yeah. as I can that's lovely thank you well thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge which I'm sure a lot of people are going to have benefited from and um we will link all your details and everything you've just said in the show notes and yeah thank you so much thank you for having me you're very welcome the recondition podcast is proud to support solace women's aid who support survivors of domestic abuse and sexual violence working with over 27,000 people each year to build safe lives and strong futures.